the show, How Did They Get There? I'm your host, John Penn. The guest on the show uh, today is Shrim Chakraborty, and she's a great chef. She's also a host and presenter of India Bites, which is a docuseries that uh, premiered on Tastemade Travel that you can watch on Apple TV. And it was great to talk to her because I, I like food. And that's not new. I mean, a lot of people do, I, I guess. But it's it's one thing to like something and it's another thing to kind of be, um, you know, master at it, be a professional at it. And she definitely is. It was great to kind of talk to her about um, how, what her approach is towards, you know, talking to people. Because her show's not, it's not a chop and chat type of show. And if you're not familiar with that phrase, like I wasn't, you'll gradually learn it, I guess, in this um, episode. But you know, you know what I mean? It's like chop and chat, like, um, you know, you cook and then uh, you talk and you talk about some revealing or whatever, funny or whatever your thing is, right? While you're doing it, keep things kind of interesting. Whereas her show, it's it's kind of taken from the vein of like Bourdain or, you know, like uh, Rick Steve or, you know, it's kind of like that. But again, the I guess not again, but something that's different is that she's cooking in the show, which is kind of cool. Like, so she goes to a new environment um, or an environment maybe she wasn't familiar with, um, you know, before she went and then she meets somebody and they talk about something that's relevant to the food that they're eating or that's in front of them or not. Like it kind of jumps around a lot, which is cool. And, and then she tries to kind of, you know, take the apron, I guess, so to speak, and, and have her own sort of take on that meal or, or on a, on a different meal, which I think is cool. It's like, there's so much, it's like it feels broad, but it's also specific based on the specific person that she's talking to. We we definitely talked about that in our conversation. We also talked about her upbringing, um, you know, being the progeny of a classical musician and also a philosopher and kind of how that, um, you know, it's like the nature nurture thing. Like, how does that influence you and how does that lead you to also pursue, co- pursue being a chef? Because her mom is a great cook as well, you know, and, and what is india because she's looked at it from so many different perspectives and and angles literally on on her show you can see that um so kind of what has that led to in terms of a different outlook you know we kind of talked about that and and just the overall experience going to england and you know doing the show and kind of the new stuff that she has coming out it was really fun uh i I really enjoyed talking with her she has a a blog uh eat with me shrimoya and you can you can look at that to find like recipes although she did say that one of the recipes maybe you shouldn't look at but there's a bunch on there and there's some cool videos uh some of them are really funny we kind of talked about that and also like what does it take to start a restaurant we talked about that you know going from pop-ups to starting her restaurant in in the uk which is calcutta street and talking about kind of the menu and people's expectations and how do you kind of how do you shatter those to do something new that's you know unique and adding something you know to the culture which i think um which i think she's definitely doing and now she's working on a new show which is about it's about according to her indigenous peoples and booze which sounds like a really interesting topic interested really interested to see that so you can find a lot of her stuff on um you know bbc telegraph uh and of course as i mentioned her show um india bites you can find that on apple plus or slang or a lot of different uh places on tastemade travel so I hope you enjoy this, and I hope it inspires you to cook something cool today. Do you want me to keep it casual? Do you want me to keep it formal? Uh, just... Whatever, whatever you want, whatever okay, suits perfect. your style. Perfect, perfect. Okay. Which I think it's a bit, bit in between, so it'll okay. be fine. Yeah, it's good. Um, yeah, there are no rules, right? You know, you have the yeah. show. I mean, what do you... Uh, <laughs> let's start with that. Uh, so India Bites on Taste My Travel, because yeah. I've watched a lot of it. And um, I think it's interesting because you have these sort of long form, you know, conversations with people and some of them are chefs. Some of them are sort of, you know, your um, sort of actors. Some of them are in fashion. They're in all different types of fields. So like when you're, when you're about to talk to somebody, I mean, what do you, I guess, what notes or what do you, what do you kind of begin with to kind of whet their appetite with the conversation they're about to have? 
So I guess I, if you've seen the show, you know each episode was uh, about a certain topic and yeah. a certain type of food. So that kind of narrows it down quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, it is like, so for example, episode one was about melting pot of cultures and the expat yeah. community what their experience of living in India is or working in India is. So, you know, the topic becomes quite narrow. But what I try to do, uh, well, if you see the show, you've seen the show, uh, there was nothing that was scripted. Right. And I usually do a lot of research about the person before I just read up about the person. And like when I'm doing my research, I'll, you know, organically read stuff about them, find out about them. And then I kind of let it free flow. So what we do is what we did in India Bites is we had three cameras. And what I told my DOP, because I was directing it, that just record uh, and, you know, whatever you get. So we placed the camera so that there was a wide and there was one camera on me, one camera on the guest. And we would just let it run like and I would really have a normal conversation as yeah. normal as possible. and I think some of my guests have said that that um, so a lot of them hadn't been on camera before like yeah. here or some chefs and restauranters and they were quite nervous and a lot of them for example were like we've never done this we don't want to do this yeah. and I was like come on please you'll be so good they've told me at the end that they did feel very comfortable because they didn't feel that it was so much an interview because I think what I kept it was quite conversational, quite yeah, chatty. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, so it wasn't, so they didn't feel questioned if you may like, right. Because a lot mm-hmm. of times you see people question me back yeah. and it was just like, we were having a discussion. So that's kind of what um, I tried to keep it. So keep it topical. So my questions or the conversation was always about the certain topic, but sometimes we've kind of drifted away from certain things. Like if, yeah. um, uh, I don't know, for example, uh, the section, I don't know if you've seen episode three where I speak to this model, Iranian model. Mandan yeah, Mekri. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. And she initially we were talking about beauty, but somehow the conversation led to Burka. Yeah. And how she was wearing it. And that was very organic. Yeah. It was not with any intention. I didn't know that she had, she was wearing a Burka and she had to go through uh I didn't know about that side of her life that much really because it's yeah. not that much public knowledge so that was that was completely organic right and it came naturally so you know i think that's what i found uh i mean it's it, it can be quite tricky right because you might not land up getting anything oh, uh, yeah. but most of the time if you choose your guests well and you like which is hopefully i've done yeah. uh actually one of the I can't name. We had to. We couldn't keep the interview because oh, it was just not very entertaining. It was just not. We didn't get enough material. So that yeah. you take that risk. But you know, I had about five, four to five guests in each episode. So that makes about twenty-five guests. Yeah. And most of them. So out of twenty-six, I had twenty-five of them, and they were all. That's pretty, pretty good. That's like yeah, 90, 97 percent, right? That's pretty good. So, all right. What would you say that? Yeah. What were you gonna say? Are we gonna I correct? Mean, it was the research, right? Like, Oh, I thought you were going to correct my percentage. Okay, so that that's good. But um, would you would you say that you're always like, would you have you would you describe yourself as like a naturally curious person, kind of like all throughout your life, or is that something that you feel like developed a little bit later as you got older and you know, I guess started doing the show and more stuff like that. No, I think uh, anybody who knows me uh, has yeah. known that I. Uh, I mean, I was a chat like chatterbox yeah uh in school the you know every parent teachers meeting was like oh god your daughter talks too much or she mm. asks too many questions and you know i grew up in india uh when uh, and when i was going to school the school system was quite like very regimented very uh-huh. um spoken to you're you just you're just talked at yeah and you're not supposed to be asking questions and I was of course not one of those kids so I was one of those kids who were always like raising my hand I'm like can I ask a question and why and you know I yeah. had a lot of whys and uh, if somebody said you can't do this it's always like but why and like give me a reason and you know I I, I didn't like to ever take no for an answer and that was since childhood which you may call, some may say curious and some may say just like I just like to understand things a bit better about why someone is taking uh, a path or saying something and well it's coming to bite me back in my ass uh sorry uh, for the uh sorry what oh you can uh, say you can say whatever you want there are no rules yeah fine so my daughter is two and she's doing exactly the same with me so i yeah. can see why it can be annoying for adults when kids keep asking those questions but you know what i actually encourage her because 
that just means that she's curious and she has an open mind and she just wants to find out more. So I guess I've always been that person, which like I said, has its, is not always fun because some people just don't like to talk that much or just don't want to, they just give you one word answers. But yeah. uh, I think one of my investors said I could talk to a stone, uh, <sighs> which kind of is true. <laughs> could be true. I don't know. What, what was the why behind uh, India Bites? It was a big why. Uh, so the why happened over 10 years, actually. Uh, so wow. it happened uh, literally when I first set foot in the UK in 2010, which mm. is when I went there uh, to do my master's. That was You went and, to business school, right? I was in business school. Yeah, yeah. So I was, you know, 20, 21. And at that age, all you want to do and be is cool. Oh, yeah. And fitting. That's and always, be, yeah. Right. And when I went there, one thing I noticed very early on was uh, South Asians weren't cool. Oh, really? The cool thing wasn't associated with South Asians. It was Spanish were cool. Italians were cool. You know, uh, sexy. French was sexy. All of that. But somehow. What do you mean? Co- what do you mean? Cool? Exactly. As in, um, you know, there's this undertone of South Asians are garish. They're not very refined. They're not garish. very cultured. I like that. Yeah, you know, and uh, we're always dancing to Bollywood songs, and you know, we don't really know how to wear makeup or whatever. Like it's just that refined, right? I would say yeah. refined as well. Uh-huh. And that wasn't associated with us. And you know, the Western media still kept make, still keeps making fun of our accents. And you know, mm. the, it's like dancing. Hey, do you do this? And you know, uh, oh, yeah. are you doing? And the Apu and the likes, right? Yeah. Slumdog Millionaire, all of it. Like you name any of these. Uh, representing India it was always like either people would be shocked that I can speak English or they'd be like oh my god you've got McDonald's in India ah you've got these brands you know so it was this idea that we were somehow living in caveman years and we're just way ahead behind and when I say cool I also mean you know for example when I was in university uh, people would go on dates, right? Like, you know, people start dating and they yeah. would go to a date to an Italian restaurant or a French restaurant. That's when you want mm. to go a fancy, on a fancy date. Okay. If you want to go on a cheap and cheerful date and have a couple of pints and then go for a, like, a bender and then you want to eat something, that's when you yeah. go to a kebab shop or a curry house. And I found yeah. all of that really offensive because mm. I was like, I mean, what is a curry house? Firstly, there is nothing, like, you know, curry is not, not even a dish. Curry is a sauce. That is there yeah. in every meal possible. When you make a ball and when you make a meatball, uh, that is a curry. Then call it a curry. Yeah, kofta. Right? It's not kofta a curry. curry. Yeah. Yeah, but so that's so those were the things, you know, that start kind of bothering me on a very, um, you know, I was like, what, you know, and why were Indian restaurants also playing on to that? Like uh, they were like having those red napkins, they were having those Bollywood songs because that's what they thought people want, the caricature yeah, exactly. version yeah. of India. And yeah. that's something I didn't like because I grew up in a big city and I was like, what is going on? Like, you know, this is not uh, where I grew up. This is not the right representation of it. You grew up so, in M- Mumbai? I grew up in Calcutta and Mumbai, which oh. is why India Bikes was filmed in both those places. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's when the seed came about and it started as a blog. I was like, right, I'm going to do a blog and, you know, yeah. uh, kind of make some food. And food started coming in the picture because, uh, you know, you start missing home food and what I like, what I saw for Indian food in the UK wasn't Indian food that I was used to. That wasn't even mm. Indian food. I was like, what is this? Uh, so that's when I started cooking a lot more. And that's how a blog started, which was a kind of cooking blog. Yeah. And um, then, and, and this is really way back, right? Like 2010 when blogging wasn't really cool. It was like those geeky people did on MySpace and like Blogspot. Oh. And that was oh, one of yeah, those. MySpace. Yeah, nice. Yeah, like I was that creep doing a blog, uh, but oh, yeah. it was a video blog. Uh, and that blog kind of grew organically and started like getting attention. Uh, and then, you know, I still had my job. I was pursuing my normal career. I was working for WPP and all these advertising agencies. And then I was like, let me try a pop-up and uh, pop-up happened. And uh, my first pop-up was called Calcutta Street. And that yeah. was a pop-up which was doing, uh, where, and pop-ups again, were that was a very new thing in London. So I did a pop-up in Camden Town. And um, I did some videos and marketing around it. And then suddenly it landed up on the BBC. I was like, oh, wow, yeah. that's cool. And lots of people showed up. 
and because my thing was I was an economics major, so I was always like demand supply. Do will people pay money for my food? It's all well and good to see my blog, but would you come and actually pay money to eat this food? And that was the real test for me. And that was kind of like, oh, wow, that happened. And then I had a lot of blogs and that became a restaurant. And the restaurant was really my playing field. I mean, I, I mean, of course, it wasn't easy to open a restaurant. That's another story of like yeah. raising funding, investment and all of that. So I did the whole hog of raising investment at 25. I was like a child at that point, literally. And uh, but then the restaurant was really a, my first step into making a show because it felt like a production because yeah. For me, it was more than the food. I didn't want to do just another restaurant. I wanted to do a rest sexy Indian restaurant in Soho, which was not even Indian. It was from a regional Indian cuisine, which was focusing on one and only one region in India, treating India like a continent, but focusing on one region and using local produce, uh, using traditional recipes, but very well plated, using modern plating and all of that, but with yeah. music, with the right furniture, with the right vibe, with the right color. No, I saw it. That was blue, right? On the it was, it was, one of them was blue, which was I a tribute that. to my mom's house. And the other one was yellow, which was a tribute to Park Street, the uh, night nightclub scene or the jazz music scene of Calcutta. Where, uh, so it was, uh, the idea was to have a different space, uh, create different spaces. And because I, I enjoy creating, like it was like set design, really. So yeah. I loved enjoyed creating spaces, the environment, the vibe, the music. I had like the music curated by a music composer. So I went the whole hog. And that was really, so the, as you can see, the stere the idea of like breaking stereotypes about India started from that, right? The yeah. started and the restaurants grew. And then I was in press a lot or whatever. And then uh, I did, um, I was making appearance on TV and then people started saying, oh, you should totally have your show, your whatever, you're very entertaining to watch. I was like, really? I mean, you're not going to give me a TV show. Uh, but it's all well and good to say that, right? Yeah. Uh, but then I was like, okay, once my rest, I decided to close my restaurants because of the pandemic and stuff like that. All right. And I was like, okay, my next step, I really, and I always wanted to work in TV. I always wanted to make television. That's hmm. the reality. But I, I didn't know how to get there because, yeah. you know, it's not easy. It's not an easy industry. And I wanted to make television on an international scale, on a global scale, and not, you know, yeah. uh, not an Indian TV, not like something just in India, right? right. Uh, so that's when I was like, okay, let me try and make, write the show, which was really working in my head for a long time. And I started writing the show. Uh, and then I was like, okay, let me try and go make the pilot. Um, yeah. And that's when I went to make the pilot. Uh, and yeah, that's how the show happened. So the seed was always about, it came from a place of frustration, came a place of like, not being fit, not fitting in, not feeling cool enough, not feeling like we're represented in the right way. And not, and, taking back control of the narrative because I was yeah. also sick of seeing, um, you know, non-Indians, like white men telling us what India is about. Hmm. You, know, you see a Gordon Ramsay, you see, I love Gordon, I love Ramsay, by the way, but, or Rick Stein, but yeah. you, you know, why isn't somebody owning the story? Yeah. Why are we saying it the way it should be? And that was one of the things. And also, I, I was also not a bit sick of seeing Women in food on television were always supposed to be this glamorous, voluptuous, beautiful woman behind mm -hmm. a beautiful kitchen, looking stunning <clears throat> and doing like mild chopping and chatting. Chop and chat. That's the format, basically. Yeah. Yeah. And that was for women. And whereas chop men and were going up. Yeah. So you call it's a. Chop and uh, chat. Uh, yeah. You say that on TV. In TV. So when you're selling, when you're the different type of format, there's travel, there's chop and chat. So women do chop and chat. And chop and chat. I was supposed to. Yeah, I was a bit sick of seeing women doing chop and chat, whereas men going having yeah. fun. We're, yeah. you know, we're, we're, we're past that. Yeah. Uh, so, so there were a few intentions behind India Bites, and yeah. Wait, so you mentioned uh, you mentioned music and jazz because yeah. your your mom, her name's Sarbani, right? Yes, is she, she is. She's, yes. she was a classical. She's been a classical musician. So, what was that? Uh, what was her medium like uh, in music? What was uh what, what does it mean? Uh, well, me no, or... what was what was her medium like? What did she uh what did she do? What, oh, she, uh... oh, she's a vocal. She's a vocalist, oh, wow. and she plays the sitar, and she plays the sitar. So was that? I mean, how did that influence you? Because she was also she was also a cooking influence too, right? I mean, she yes, did that. Yes. So like, what was her? Um, did she kind of encourage creativity, artistry, and like follow, like doing what you want to do? I mean, how were what did she? Um, what was her influence in your in your life? So you know 
somewhat like she was a pretty unconventional traditional yeah. Indian mom, I would say. So she was quite open-minded always, and she was not one of those. Uh, like I, I always say, my mom grew with me in different stages. So my mom had me when she was very young. She was twenty-two when she had me. Oh wow! So we kind of uh, were like growing up together in a way. But she was also very. She's a philosophy professor as well, by the way. So she was always oh, wow. very open-minded and open yeah. to things, you know. And uh, she was also very strict, by the way. And she introduced me to music very early on, but Indian classical music, which honestly didn't work for me because as a kid, you don't want to be doing sare gama pas and stuff yeah. like that. Strict in what so way? She was very strict in terms of like uh, discipline or academics and stuff like that. That was quite important. Yeah. But, uh, she, and, and uh, you know, she was also a very typical Indian mom. Like she sent me to music class, dance class, swimming class and like so in certain ways she was quite typical of like uh those like sending you to a million classes yeah and uh but and being very strict about academics and like you know, you've got to get a certain grade mm. however having said that she was never someone who was like you've got to come first and she never put that kind of pressure on us so yeah. it was like she had this thing of like you know i just need you to get 75 if you can get 75 okay. like i remember if it was under 75 it was bad news like you don't want to yeah. go home and oh she, what have I done? Yeah. Um, but in terms of music, she tried to really introduce me very early on to music and um, to classical music. And I, it, I really didn't take to it because I think she did it too early. And I was at that point listening to Beyonce, not Beyonce, but like Shakira and oh, like really? Britney Spears. And then suddenly oh, okay. you give me give a three-year-old classical music. I was like, that, yeah. that ain't happening. But she was quite understanding when I told her, look, I really don't want to do this. And she was like, okay, fair enough. Uh, but I did take on to classical dancing, which is what I did. For a very long time, you were but you danced. I did, I did, like a very good Indian girl. I was, I, I, I did thirteen years of Indian classical dancing. That's a lot. So you took classes and everything, and that was one of the things. Yeah, 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 twice a week, and all sorts of practice and performances, stage performances. I guess I have to look back and thank the dancing, um, yeah. because it does. When you're starting to perform at age four or something as yeah. early as that you really don't have stage fright anymore. Yeah, that's true. And uh, It's like muscle, muscle memory, right? Yes, I think yeah. so. Because or con maybe just confidence. I, yeah. Maybe, yeah. And yeah. I was never intimidated by the cameras. So a camera yeah. never intimidated me. So I was never, I never felt um, I couldn't be, I have to yeah. be conscious. I, I've never right. been camera conscious, right? So yeah. maybe that uh, definitely played a role because I keep thinking like, has dancing played a role? And maybe I'm athletic, quite athletic still now so I can pick up sports quite easily do you play sports not really not really okay. I'm, I'm really terrible at this but i'm just okay. saying like I, for example yeah, I learned you could do it yeah no i learned skiing pretty late in life when i was like 26 27 that was, that was not in india that was in switzerland no no okay that was in switzerland. and i picked it up uh quite easily uh according to my instructor he was like oh wow you you very you know i i, I on day one i could actually ski down so yeah. he was like Maybe that what gives you balance and um, yeah, you know, yeah, and all of that. But another thing so with anyway. that, it seems like adaptability too, right? Like when you're doing your, you know, when you're um, involved in your docu series that India bites, I mean, you have to go. You're in different locations, but you're talking to different people about different things. And, um, you know, like you said, like some of them aren't like as comfortable as you as on like being uh, being on camera and stuff. So you kind of have to adapt to that, which is you know tricky, right? Absolutely. I mean, right now, for example, I'm working on my next show which is on with tribal women of india and mm. uh who's uh, so there's a tribal booze in india and i'm going to work uh, shoot with these completely uh tribal women who've probably never seen a camera wow. um and uh and how that booze actually travels to paris so that's the kind of story I, I can't give too much out uh so you know one of the things i'm co totally comfortable with is actually getting them to talk on camera because something that's why I said, like, usually my directions are pretty simple. Like, don't put the camera on somebody's face, mm. right? Because that's when people get intimidated and nervous. Oh, but if the cameras are just there yeah. and you've got a host who's just making you feel comfortable, after a point, you really forget the camera exists yeah. because you're just, and if your conversation is engaging and if you're trying to listen to them and trying to, you know, be interested in their lives, everybody talk, loves talking about themselves, yeah. like, or their oh, work. I know. So if you're listening, <laughs> like right now, you're doing that and talking about my work and 
I'm just yapping away, but no, I usually good. do the opposite other way around. This is good. Wait, okay. So you're growing up, um, you're with your mom and she's like encouraging you to go to all these classes. You didn't really take to classical music right away because it was kind of early when she introduced you, but then later a little bit more, you gravitated more towards it. So then when does the interest in, when does the food thing begin? So, yeah. So, you know, um, so growing up, uh, my childhood was basically, I had to wake up uh, in the morning to go to school and my mom used to do her riyas or practice, music practice, mm. say at like 6 a.m. Oh, wow. So every morning I kind of woke up to classical music. So as much as I didn't like doing it myself, and maybe, I don't know if I would still choose to go to a classical music concert mm. just yet in life. Uh, I had I had a year for it, if that makes yeah. sense. Because, you know, when you're just growing up with it, right? Yeah. So that was one. And the second was my mom was obsessed about cooking and food. And we're a Bengali family. Yeah. And food is just a big part of your life. Like before you, when you wake up, the first thing is like, what do you want to eat for breakfast? Yeah. And it was never like cereal and milk. No. It was like every day my mom made something different. And to add to it, I was a big fussy eater. Yeah, so it was very hard for my mom to feed me. Yeah. And that's where I think she started pushing herself and her boundaries on mm. cooking and um, what to make what to make for me to feed me. And guess what? It's come back to me again. My ch- daughter is exactly the yeah, same. And I'm constantly experimenting on what to feed her. So that kind of made her, um, you know, really pushed. But also at the same time, my household was extremely obsessed with food. So my grandfather would wake up at six in the morning to, so we used to live in a joint family growing up. Hmm. So six in the morning to go buy the best best fish and the best vegetables before everybody else has got their hands on it and bring back. And a typical Bengali or Calcutta meal would be like, stop. But But you're not not, not really horses. Yeah. You start with dal, yeah. then you start with vegetables, yeah. then you move on to a protein, so like a fish, then you move on to a meat. So you have like, you usually have like uh, dal, uh, you know, vegetables, yeah. or salves in between, which is the, uh, which is the mm-hmm. leaves, leafy green. Yeah. Then you have your fish. Yeah. Then you can move on to chicken or lamb or whatever, yeah. any kind of red meat yeah. or meat. And then you cleanse your palate with a chutney. But, and then you can have dessert but you're not and that was every day you weren't every day you weren't really into fish though right isn't that something that's like you're not into yeah i wasn't which into, is the stereotype yeah, I hated I yeah, yeah so i hated fish growing up because i had to eat it every oh. day and my mom was like, you have to eat fish and yeah. i was like i don't want to eat fish and it was just this battle but you know what when i started really really cooking which is that when i went to manchester um mm-hmm. The first dish. So the first time I really wanted to really cook was when I had a heartbreak, which was like one month into oh, yeah. like That's talk what about yeah. moving fast. I just met this guy and I was like, oh, I'm in love. And then yeah. I like he was clearly not interested. So I was like, I had a heartbreak. And my first uh, I hate uh, response to the heartbreak was I called my mom and said, can you give me the fish curry recipe? Mm. And she was like, what? Yeah. And that's really how I really started cooking, which is going back to a dish, which I really hated. But truly, I kind of that was comfort food for me. Uh, fish curry and rice and did it, and, did it help uh, you deal with the heartbreak yes yeah. i had a great sleep yeah yeah i was very happy and comforted and i guess it was missing home yeah. so uh yeah so i i my and i love fish now yeah. so right like now i love fish and you know like fish my mom used to say as i was growing up like fish will give you great skin great hair and i didn't muchly. Her. i was like yeah why what muchly right isn't that what it is much yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah and i was like yeah i don't care about great skin great hair. i don't want to eat fish yeah but um so i guess the love for food started from there mm-hmm. and also we used to go out as a family a lot for meals mm. to different types of restaurants so italian or whatever so i loved that and uh like i said my family was a food obsessed family yeah. like everybody had a role in food uh like my grandfather was responsible for getting the yeah. best produce yeah. my mom was supposed to be making these amazing dishes uh my dad was very obsessed with getting like the best desserts mm. and the best like you know uh, fruits and stuff like you know exotic fruits and he was also very keen restaurant goer so he knew always about the best restaurants in the town yeah so i w- it was always surrounded by food like i was like you know you wake up what do you eat for breakfast? You come back. Your, my mom used to send me like two tiffin boxes to school 
Oh, because wow. my friends loved her food so much. So one of them used to always be eaten by somebody else. <laughs> yeah. Like all my friends and I had one more. So it was always, always that. And if you ask my friends from school, they'll be like, yes, my tiffin boxes were like what everybody, like we used to, in fact, like while the class was on and the lunch break didn't even happen, people used to like pass on the boxes underneath the tables <laughs> and be like opening it slightly and eating the food. Did you like, so, did, yeah, you like I guess did you like growing up in India? Yes and no. Mm, I would say if you ask me now, yes and no. When I was little, I didn't know any better. Yeah. But I soon I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there. So mm. uh, there were a couple of reasons. Mm-hmm. I might get a bit deep. Uh, I was bullied very much. Oh. Uh, I was bullied a lot when I was growing up in India. And one of the things, as you see in episode three, uh, it was very close to my heart about the skin color discrimination. Yeah. Where this Pamela, the actress, talks about how it was absolutely horrific. Like I had instances of like school in school the girls bullied me because it was too dark too skinny not pretty enough in india the idea of pretty is fair which which is light-skinned yeah a little plump and plump. you know very traditional you know, know just like yeah. slightly yeah yeah like little on the like curve curves voluptuous yeah, yeah, curvy mean, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah uh curvy voluptuous uh light-skinned yeah. uh and if you're skinny and um, which I was always, I was a very gawky, skinny kid. Yeah. Uh, and I was dark. I mean, I think the biggest bullying was about dark. It was like, people call me a crow. Kids would call me oh, a crow. And they would say, oh yeah, you're like the maid. And you know, oh uh, my God, you're not even pretty. You know, you're so ugly. And you know, like a lot of that, like you're ugly. We don't want to play with you. Or once this kid said, I don't want to sit next to you because I'll get as dark as you. Oh, that's sad. Is that related to the, to the cast thing? Or is that different? No, 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 okay. no, absolutely not. Okay. It's got nothing to do with, okay. I mean, I don't believe in the caste system, yeah. but technically we belong from the uppermost caste, oh, which fancy. is the Brahmins or whatever. Oh, yeah. So it didn't, um, it wasn't about the caste system. It was, I mean, maybe back, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It was more about what the media yeah. projects and what the, you know, what they were used to. I think if I had to go back to the historical side of things and Bollywood Bollywood is mm. big to blame if you see all these Bollywood actresses they are all white oh really but they're not white really but they look white huh right it's photoshopped or they're always all only the light-skinned models so there was a brand growing up and it's still there called Fair and Lovely owned by oh Lee. yeah I remember that it was yeah fairness cream yeah. to make you light and there were ads on mainstream television saying a girl goes to audition for an air hostess. Oh, you can't get the job. You're too dark. She goes back, applies fair and lovely, comes back, gets the job. A girl goes to for a range marriage thing. Oh, you, oh my God, you're so ugly. You can't get married. Comes back, puts fair and lovely. You know? That's terrible. And including my own grandfather, my dad's dad once said, oh, my granddaughter is so ugly. She'll never get married. Oh, terrible. Because she's so dark. And I, and I still remember it. What, so that was one when, thing. When you were getting bullied, did you feel like, did you were you kind of getting depressed? Like, how did you? Yeah. I, I was getting very depressed. I almost got suicidal at age oh, 15. Thankfully, no. it didn't happen. My mom was amazing and she got me out of it. But also, I was getting, there was also the other side of things, which is sexual abuse, mm. which is huge in India. Yeah. And I mean, it's not just in India, it's all over the world, but in India, more so. Wow. As a woman, you're constantly abused. So it was quite contradictory for me as a kid. Like, on one hand, you're calling me ugly. Then I'm getting abused on the other hand. Like, which oh, part of it was real? Yeah, that's terrible. So, yeah. So, I didn't really enjoy that part. And the other part I didn't enjoy was, uh, not enjoy, like, I, I really didn't like, um, was, I told you, like, I used to question yeah, a lot. Yeah. And you're always getting suppressed. You're a woman. Do not talk like that. Mm. You know, I didn't see women having a lot of, you know, power. Know, power. Yeah. yeah. Or uh, agency you were not supposed to have it because if you do that you're a bad girl so the teachers in my school labeled me as a bad girl naughty naughty girl and she's she's always the bad kid even oh my God, even like the like the female teachers like they didn't yeah, yeah most of them. It was, it's all ingrained in them yeah as well right they're all ingrained to be uh like very traditional stereotypical. Like that. Is, has that improved at all now it has a lot yeah a lot I mean, uh, I mean, I would, like I, I wouldn't say in every space, but it is definitely completely a changing. Uh, con- it's. Com- I mean, we're talking thirty years back, right? Like twenty, not thirty, maybe twenty-five years back. So India is growing at a pace where things are changing constantly. But is it there? And still, like, yeah, there. No, it's not. Yeah. you know, it's a long way to go. 
So yeah, I did not enjoy growing up in India and I couldn't wait to get the hell out of there you, because I did not feel my country was a safe space for me. Did you have friends at least? You know, yes, but not that many. Mm. I, I wasn't, um, I was too scared to make friends with girls because I got oh, bullied wow. very by girls. I was in a girl's school. Girls are the ones so that bully. Friends. Like, got, like girls are like the worst. <laughs> like, come on. Yeah, yeah. But also guys, I remember like when I was uh, a teenager, one guy said to me, uh we were playing you know truth or dare and some girl said uh she was being bitchy mm. and she said oh um something in truth or dare oh shrimp has a crush on so and so this guy called neil uh-huh. whatever and this guy says oh my god in front of me in front of everyone has she even looked at herself in the mirror oh. how dare she has a fun movie. what a prick so it was quite it was quite mean yeah um so yeah there was those guys who would say things like that uh because indian men were you know decide what women should look like right Man. and then women play to yeah. so if you don't fit in the mold you just don't it's work. like what you're, so, what you're talking about about the indian restaurants like they're fitting into the stereotype too the same way yeah so i guess all my life i've been trying to break stereotypes yeah that's like your whole MO. <laughs> in a way yeah yeah and uh even now i'm a mom and i get questioned all the time you really a mom you don't look like a mom what does that mean yeah what does that mean what does that mean yeah or like you don't behave like a mom what is a mom supposed to behave like what does that mean did you did the bullying at least improve when you got older like when you were in high school and stuff no it continued till high school and then i left i I moved to mumbai and then it got much better Uh, it only got better at in university college really and that was where college so undergrad was in mumbai yeah uh in sophia's uh, sophia college and then post-grad was in the UK. I mean, what really changed for me, when I really felt myself, got my confidence, felt like I could bloom or yeah. blossom, was finally in the UK. What did you study in? Because there, I felt beautiful. What did you study in undergrad? I'm economics. That was under, oh, yes, so what was the, were you like, what were you gearing towards? Because Economics and mass media, so I had a kind of also media studies in there. Because, I mean, you had this like uh, amazing influence from your mom and also your family about food and music especially from your mom um like the classical sense so then was that was that ever not a consideration in terms of like something you would do like be a chef or be involved with food so being a chef even now actually is not a very uh, is not 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 a profession um that educated respected families do so it was never even in the agenda like because you know you didn't have role models Hmm. Like, it wasn't a profession that was celebrated. Still not. Like, only now, like, yeah, there's celebrity chefs. But if you really look at the real chefs in the real kitchens, like, have you seen the uh, series Bear on HBO? No. Bear? Yeah. No. That's the best representation of a kitchen. So if you see in a kitchen, right, in the food space, there are celebrity chefs who are celebrated. Yeah. Then there are, uh, in restaurants, there are head chefs. Okay, they get decent salaries. Yeah. Anybody underneath that are on minimum wage. Right. So nobody, it's 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 a very transient profession. So a lot of people just don't take the job very seriously. Or a lot of people who are doing the job are doing it because of the need and not because of the love for cooking. Huh. Yeah. And that's something everybody will tell you. Yeah. Which is unfortunately the reality because it's across the globe. We do not respect the hospitality industry yeah, enough. That's true. Yeah. Which is why young nobody wants to be a waiter when they grow up like it's not anybody's dream people are waiters because it's a means to an end or if it's a student job yeah yeah but if you go to france italy and stuff like that you still see those old school waiters yeah they're because there's respected because it's like there's a class that's like there's just a yeah there's an underlying respect for what they do and how important they are exactly and i think globally we do not respect the kitchen like or the hospitality industry enough and that's why yeah, it was no different in my house. You know, I came from an academic family yeah. and being a chef, like, are you kidding me? It was nowhere in the agenda. And music, I didn't really like very much. Like I said, I like liked music, but I wasn't, like I said, I didn't pursue it. So I wasn't really good enough. So that was never, um, but I wanted to work in TV, I remember. Because uh, when I was um, 17, I did my first internship, with second internship with Disney. Mm. And I accidentally became a TV host for this college oh, really? random TV show. Wow. Yeah, and I loved it. I absolutely loved 
improvising, coming up with lines, yeah. and you know, being on set and having a show. So I, the seed was planted then. So I always knew I wanted to work in the TV industry, and I just didn't know how. So I was like, okay, let me follow the economics route. Maybe I can enter in a like, studio oh, yeah, or yeah. work in. A, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, in the marketing role sure. or in a finance role, yeah. and then make my segue into it. Really, so that was I always had this scheming plan of getting into TV. Did you like Disney? I loved it. It was my second job. It paid me. I mean, for now, back then, as a first student job, it felt like it was great money. And I was on. T- I was on camera. I would have done it for free, frankly. Like what did but, you, you know, what did you do on camera? Like what was the premise of it and stuff? Oh, it was a, it was like this interview show, oh, and nice. I was hosting this music show. Okay. You know the countdown shows. Yeah, remember yeah, them? yeah. Like top ten songs yeah. and like that's fun. Number ten, Shakira. Yeah. Number nine, and you had like some random chats with some random musicians and stuff like that. Nice. Okay, so you're doing that, and then you're you, like you're enjoying life and stuff. You're not you're not getting bullied anymore. I, I assume, hopefully, right? No. Yeah. yeah, I wasn't exactly, and I was loving it. Did you? And you know, it was giving me confidence and stuff. Yeah. Did you love the? Did you feel like you had freedom to do what you wanted to do finally, or do you feel like there was still like your mom and your family kind of like watching over you, thinking like, oh, what is she doing? Now? No, back then. Back then. No, you know, like my only, I think my when I said I wanted to leave home and go to Mumbai at like 16, my dad and mom said one thing, that if you get into a good university, yeah. one of the top five in India, sure, you can go. Okay. And and I wasn't really studying very much. So they didn't really think that would happen. But somehow, I, I mean, I pulled through last minute and I worked hard. And, uh, you got enough, and I you got enough 75s. They uh they let you in, right? I, yes. Yeah. I actually got an 89. Okay, that's pretty and it good. Was just yeah, in my A levels, and I managed to get in the university. And because he had promised that, he couldn't say anything. Yeah. So he was like, "Okay, sure, go." Yeah. And then the only thing was like, if I ever find out you're doing drugs or you're in trouble or any of that sort, and I get a call from someone, you're coming. We're taking the. I knew that it was an unsaid thing that if I Screw drifted up. Yeah. in, yeah, screwed up, then I'm gonna get back flown back to Calcutta straight away um and thankfully I didn't screw up and then once I reached London my only goal like so I guess I was getting slightly controlled but not really controlled it was like this unsaid thing of like just don't fuck up yeah and that's it that's fine uh, there was no other rules and so I was kind of desperate to get a job after I finish my master's yeah. I was one of the first few people to get a job uh who was an immigrant because you had to get a work permit oh, yeah. from a company yeah so it was quite hard and I remember that was the first time I really felt free I was like wow I'm earning my own money this is my apartment yeah. screw you everyone yeah. you know that's when you really feel free so I think at 21 is when I really started feeling like, so that was like, wow, I can that, find that was when you were, uh, I guess you were in Manchester at that point. I was in Manchester. Yeah. How was that? It was great fun. It was great fun. I love it as a city. I think uh, it's a fun city. It's a very university town. So the two big things in Manchester are the university, three, University Old Trafford, the football stadium, oh, yeah. and the BBC. Yeah. So these three things. So football, media students and you know it's a pretty good combination and some great restaurants and bars and like a lot of nightclubs and uh, so it was a party city really it was very party very cheap uh, compared to London yeah Uh, and people are more real and people are northerners it's set in England northerners are very real and they're more oh like authentic yeah that's good. Authentic, yeah. yeah I don't like Londoners can be a bit Yeah. I mean, you just need to figure your way around Londoners, like New York, I guess. It's, it's you've got to, yeah. You've got to, you know, they're not going to smile at you in the morning. Sometimes, I mean, yeah, that, it depends. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I, I get that. So, wait, so then, um, after that, you said you worked at like WPP and like you were working more in, I guess, the business media side. Always the business media side of things. So yeah. WPP, then I was with Yelp. Oh, nice. Uh, the American company. Yeah. Then I moved to Sunday Times. Uh, Wait, Yelp, and Yelp in really San Francisco? Wanted... Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, I was, I launched Yelp in Manchester. Oh, nice, fun. Yeah, and that's when food. Uh, I started getting involved with the restaurant side of things, uh, and then uh, Sunday Times. And then I was like, I really need money. I better use my economics degree, and I got a job at a think tank. And that was my last real job. A think tank. Yeah. What were you? What were you thinking about? <laughs> I was working on the business and policy side. So oh. I was doing, um, 
actually, you know what? It was a great learning because um, it, it was good, great money and great learning and great confidence. So my, we were called Asia House, not we, like the think tank was yeah. called Asia House. Nice. And uh, the, the job of the think tank was to uh, connect Asia, uh, Asia, Asian businesses, Asian polit- polit- politics with UK businesses and vice versa. Oh, nice. So I was working a lot with Asian governments and Asian businesses and the UK foreign office and the UK businesses and the, uh, you know, UK government really. Wow. So I got to meet some huge ministers and uh, stuff like people like that, like CEOs of the biggest companies. Mm-hmm. And I made a friend in Amartya Sen, I, which was my dream. I was like, nice. I wanted to meet Amartya Sen and I uh, landed up meeting him. And then he became a restaurant customer at my restaurant. That's and cool. Now Full circle. Could, yeah. Full circle, and I can say we're kind of friends. Okay, that's pretty good. Oh, okay, yeah. are you? Um, let me ask you this, because th- I've I've questions just about culture and stuff, and hopefully they're not stereotypical. But um, how's like? Are you like dating throughout this whole time? Like when you're like in college, yes. and how is that like for you? Like, do you like it or not? So one thing, again, like I said, because I was always breaking stereotypes. I was always that girl who started dating, and I was wouldn't be questioned. And thankfully, my parents, like I said, my mom was pretty open minded. She was never questioning on dating at yeah. all. And my dad included. Uh, he was also, even though he was like a strict Indian dad, he was like, I just want to see the guy. You know, oh, like yeah. I, my first boyfriend at 16, he just wanted to meet him and the family. I was like, it's so weird and so embarrassing. I was like, fine. Yeah. So be it. So yeah, I was, and and uh, they never blinked an eyelid when I was dating a white guy. My partner is Belgian, mm-hmm. right? Right now. And I've only dated white guys since I moved to the UK. Or And they never questioned. It was never even like, why what in fact to a point i think at one point i was like oh i need to really settle down or whatever and my mom was like i didn't say settle down i meant like oh you know whatever i need a long-term boyfriend and my mom was like i think you should just find somebody there because i don't think indian guys are you know you'll get along with indian guys what is that (laughs) true why do you is that because i've seen that i feel like that's even common here in the states like it seems like women that are um south asian don't kind of tend to gravitate towards like men that aren't from south Asia, like they tend to be more yeah they're like which is good i think it's like it just fosters more diversity but do you think that is a, tr- a trend kind of in i guess england i think stuff? for me it came from a deeper place uh-huh. because you know i told you i was actually abused as a kid yeah. and they were indian guys i had this negative impression about indian guys yeah. i was like you know you guys bullied me you guys you know yeah. molested me wow. i have i like i didn't feel they were safe somehow to date i have a lot of male friends who are indian yeah but I don't know if somehow in a sexual partnership no, that makes or sense, yeah. relationship, I just didn't feel like that's that was somebody I could be myself with. I mean, with trauma, you like you can internalize things like that, so that makes exactly. Sense. I think I, if I had to like really like be, have, give a serious answer, that would be it. Yeah, and yeah, that because I saw that thing on your um on your blog about the like your uh that date thing where you're with that guy, like you're sitting on the bench. Oh my god, that's you know, funny. That is actually. That is actually my best friend. Oh, really? And this was an ad for Badoo, oh, this wow. dating app. Yeah. And we were both hungover. <laughs> and we were, I was like, oh, we need to film this ad. And he was like, what the hell are you talking about? I was like, yes, I just need somebody to film this ad with. You're good looking. Come on and do it. Yeah. And guess what? Then he started dating this girl who he's married to now, Minnie. Mm. And she initially saw that video and she was like, are you, did you have something like, she was like, did, did we have something together? I was oh, like, wow, no, yeah. never. No, it was good. It was good. He's still, one of my, yeah. he's still one of my closest friends. So yeah. That was funny. Uh, yeah, that was really good. So then, and you, that was the one where you like, you're like, I'm a food blogger, right? That's what you said? Yeah, and yeah, yeah. So, uh, so wait, I need to get rid of No, things. that's good. You're never going to get, you got to keep it there. Um, It's not even possible to get rid of things anymore. All right. So then one of the things that I, another thing that I saw was like, Cause I cook too, but I'm, I'm like an amateur, you know, I'm not like a pro like you, but, um, one of the things that you made that, that, that I thought was interesting that I saw was that, um, like just something like a staple, like chicken curry. And I've made that mm-hmm. like for the past two years, I probably made that like two or three times a week because it's, and it tends, I think the difference between someone that is like okay, that chicken curry recipe is a bad recipe. Don't follow that one. Why, why is it bad? I have a better why is it bad? Recipe. Why is it bad? I think I was still honing my skills at that point. I wasn't that good. I mean, it's okay, okay. but I think I can, I, I've got a the better. The only thing, I mean, maybe you could have, you could have added a few more with like spices and stuff or what's the, what's the issue? You put I garam don't masala. Remember the rest, but I, 
No, it's just, you know, you learn more techniques. Yeah. So little details. Okay. So for example, one of the quick tips uh, when you're making a good chicken curry or oh. a good curry, like a mutton curry, whichever. Yeah. Uh, when you're, when you heat the oil, you first wait for the oil to oh, reach the temperature. I do that. I do that. And then you add a pinch of sugar. Oh, whoa. Before adding the onions. Sugar. Yeah, because that, a pinch of sugar before you add the onions, that really helps caramelize the onions mm. much better. Nice. The longer you caramelize your onions and garlic and ginger uh, and cook it, that's what you call making the masala, yeah. the better your dish is going to be. So before you add your chicken, you need to spend and give it a lot of love to kind of medium in medium heat, cook your onions slowly for a while. And it's really nice and yeah. like getting that caramel mm. color with the garlic and the ginger. And then you add your masalas. Once it's caramelized, that's the point you add your spices. And then you add a dash of water and then cook it again and cook it till a point that the oil starts releasing from the side. And that's when you add your chicken. What did you eat today? What did I eat today? I had, actually I was working today, so I was, I didn't really eat at home, but in the morning I had a croissant because that's mm. what I do every morning. A coffee and croissant, which is uh, not the healthiest, but no, I love it. I, I love food. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I eat like half a croissant, so it's not like I eat a whole croissant yeah. every day. Uh, I had croissant and raspberry jam, and then I had a sun-dried tomato risotto, and I had some momos. Oh, nice. I had some steamed Fancy. momos, dumplings, yeah. with a very hot chili sauce. Do you feel like you gravitate more towards North Indian food? Or do, how do you feel about South Indian? Like, I guess Italy, right? Yeah. Really? No, no. So I am the biggest fan of like regional Indian food. Yeah. So North Indian food, of course, it's a you know hit. Always, yeah. I love it. Yeah. But then I've started discovering more regional cuisines like Maharashtrian food, food from Maharashtra, food from Orissa food from different unique parts of India, which are not explored. And I think there's so many, so much freshness, richness and difference. And I just love exploring. Even in South India, there are different regions will have different food. So there's Konkani food, which is the coastal South Indian food, mm. or Malabari food, which is from Malabar. Or you'll have Chennai food, which is more spicy. Yeah. Or you'll have the Tamilian food, which is more, you know, vegetarian. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you've got this whole variety and the world needs to explore that. Uh, I mean, I'm actually planning a supper club, hmm. a series of supper clubs, uh, uh, focusing on each region of India right. and exploring the different nuances of food that's there. And then there's also like the, the Indo-Chinese food, which I really Indo -Chinese like. Indo-Chinese food. Yeah. My favorite. Yeah. And you put that, that was one of your episodes. I really like that one. It was. Yeah. That was nice. Thank you. Oh, I saw you eat brain. Oh my God. That was disgusting. You didn't I like did not it? recommend it. I don't know why people like it but why didn't guess you, is it because of the texture and the or what is it about, what did you like about it you seem like you thought it was okay i guess maybe you were maybe that was just for the was that for the camera kind of like no i was just being polite because i was like okay i'm gonna be open-minded oh really yeah trying hard to be open because you're because that so, your guest like was liked it yeah she loved yeah, it yeah yeah and I think the smell put me off. It was too strong a smell. So I, for example, can't have blue cheese or oh, blue cheese. Oh, I don't like that stuff either. What did it smell like? Brain. I don't know. I mean, really strong. Pungent. I can't explain the smell. It's a horrible smell. You, I think you've just blocked it out, right? No, it's like, um, have you been to a meat shop? Uh, like a, uh, a like, butcher's yeah, shop? Yeah, of course, yeah. It's like that? And you have to stand there for too long and you have that horrible smell. Oh, yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, the, the really strong yeah. meat smell. Yeah. So that's that's what it smelled like, which immediately put me off. And then the texture was disgusting. So wait, when you're in that situation and you're with a guest that loves brain, but you don't really like it, so what do you what do you do? I mean, how do you? I was honest. Yeah, you saw just, the show. Yeah. I was just like, not my thing. Yeah, but you still, I guess you still tried it. That's like part of being like. I a, still tried. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm someone who try everything once. Yeah. Like, and then I decide. It's not like. You know, I'm not like, if you, you know, whatever, like, because I just love textures, flavors, all of that. So you give me anything, I'll try it once. What was the thing? Chop and chat. So let's, you were talking about, um, the, so the, that was more like, you saw that more a theme among women sort of hoes. But what about like, yeah. what about um, like Bourdain and like. I love Bourdain. Yeah. Or like I was going to ask you, like, is that, would you say that's an influence? Because that, because the show that you have, because not only do you talk to people, you're also cooking, like you're, you're like, 
you're being in Rome, right? It's that whole thing. So like, do you, um, do you find that your show is, um, like the medium of your show is conversation and food is kind of, you're talking about food or is the medium food and you're kind of having this conversation as kind of the topic of your, your show? How do you categorize it? The latter. Yeah. The latter, because, you know, the idea came from when I was trying to think of how to frame the show. The first thing that I always think, say is, you know, when you and I are having a meal, for example, you go, we go for dinner, you know, we order food and say we both love food. And we're like, okay, you know what? Let's go to this Italian restaurant, uh-huh. whatever, like or Indian restaurant. Yeah. And the food comes in, you know, you talk about the food for about five minutes. Yeah. Like, oh, wow, this is yum, 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 whatever. And then you start eating. And then you really start talking about anything else. Things that we have in common. Yeah. Exactly. So food is always present, but a meal, if you have a great meal, but a terrible conversation, you, the dinner is not that great, Ooh, right? Yeah, true. But if you have but you have a great conversation and a terrible meal, even then the dinner is not great, then you're pissed off. Yeah. You For a dinner or a lunch or a meal to be great, you need both. You need the conversation to be amazing and the food to be amazing. And that's when, and the boost to be flowing, oh, yeah. right? And that's when a conversation, you know, that's when you really feel like, fulfilled and that's what the show was about like that's how i uh that was the thought process what what when i was writing what response did you get um from the show like from the public and stuff so it was really amazing so it's on apple tv yeah. uh it's going on hulu it did rank number one most popular on tastemates channel on apple nice. tv three weekends in a row okay. which was quite nice because that's what the real stats is so i'm more about again about the real stats kind of girl yeah. And there was a lot of ads uh, on the Tasteway channel, which is a sign of something as well. Yeah. And uh, I had a lot of amazing messages. And the response was, you know, when you set out to make a show and you want to say something, you don't know if the message is going to come out. Sure. Because yeah. you might think you are, you are saying it, but you don't know what the audience is going to think. Yeah. And the most satisfying part of the show was, the audience's reaction to the show was exactly what I was hoping for. Mm. Which was? So, which was for non-Indians, they were like, wow, I didn't know this happened. Thank you. Ah, this is so interesting. This is so different. And for Indians, it was, thank you for making the show, for finally saying, showing us not in a slum. Oh, yeah. Or like this poverty line. Yeah. So this was really what I was hoping for you know yeah. the final outcome and what I got which was really nice and people said things like non-Indians who watch the show were like oh wow this also you know this is so cool I didn't know or like people ask me you have creperies in India you know oh yeah or we don't, know, we don't didn't know about the GDP of India uh you know the middle you know, class being, yeah yeah we didn't know this and this was cool so and I still keep getting these lovely messages every day which is uh really nice and a lot of the feedback was also that they really felt like they were watching it. They were a fly on the wall Yeah. Uh, in the show. They felt very personal. And uh, while watching it, they didn't feel like they were watching. Uh, it, it felt very... Um, like authentic, like fly on the wall. Yeah. 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 And that's something uh, I was hoping for. And so that was nice. And you wanted to give that to your guests too, right? Like to not have the camera completely on them, but more like a fly on the wall. That's cool. So that would, so um, I, wait, I saw you trying to make a crepe. That first time wasn't so successful, right? That took a little bit of, which one? You were uh, trying crepe. to make the crepe. Yeah. Oh my God, it's the hardest thing to do. It's not what we do at all. But you, isn't it similar to like a, what you do with a dosa? Yes and no, because yeah. the batter is completely different. Oh, uh, because yeah. this is, Original crepes from Brittany are made with a buckwheat flour batter. Mm, right. Right. And it's not made with what we do at home, pancakes. Yeah. It's not that. No. And it's a very different kind of batter and it needs a very different temperature for the pan. And, uh, you know, you need to know the timing really well. Yeah. And when to pour and immediately to spread and then at what point to take it out. So it is really a skill. It's like a technical job with like hand skills yeah so it, it i was shocked so pierre was pierre the owner of the restaurant was saying kids had to send the chefs and they trained for six months before they could make wow. the crap yeah okay so it was so I, I i was yeah yeah so so there are two types of crepes one is a buckwheat flour that's the traditional way which is what i couldn't do uh properly 
and the, the, the normal one I can make. That's fine. I can make it in my dreams, like while sleeping, because I make it for my daughter every morning. Yeah. But that's not the real deal. I was like, wow, that's impressive. But it's very similar to dosa. But I'm more used to dosa texture. And mm. the, I know the timing of dosa better. What is your daughter like? You mentioned she's kind of like you, like, I guess like me too, like kind of picky. What is, what's her favorite food? Or what is she? Oh like? my God. Uh, chocolate. Okay. Yeah. But no, okay. Uh, you know, uh, besides chocolate, she loves broccoli. So nice. I just managed to get her. Like that on that one. That's recent. Uh, recently, is, I took a video of her. I was like, what do you like to eat? And she said, broccolis, carrots, <laughs> cheese, eggies. Rice and butter and pasta. Okay. That's really healthy. I think you got lucky. You know who hates broccoli is my mom. She hates it. Um, okay. So that, that's okay. Um, so how do, going from the pop-ups to the restaurant, um, that's Calcutta Street, right? How, was that a big, uh, was that a big transition? What do you say? Pop, huge. Yeah. I had to grow up overnight. Yeah. I mean, literally, I, this was a 25-year-old, 24-year-old when I was doing pop-ups hunky-dory running pop-ups without really you know any repercussions of finances or anything i was like yeah we make you know i was never doing them for money yeah and then suddenly i had to raise a million pounds and shit got real mm. there were investors there was a board oh yeah there were employees and there were some serious people involved so it, it and i was suddenly the helming all of it and people had to listen to me and people weren't listening to me and people didn't think it was my business they were like who is this girl yeah did daddy give you the money you know all of that preconceived notion that come with it did the business so, did, yeah, the, did the business hugely. did the business degree help you think no no oh, no i mean no no okay. i mean honestly the best way best business degree is to yeah you just gotta do it yeah yeah, because, you know, when you're doing a business degree and you're doing financial modeling, you, this is all theoretical. And you're like, yeah, sure, you know, big deal. The numbers move here and there if you make a mistake. When you're doing a real business and you have to do your projections, you have to do, look at your PL and at the end of every month, sit down with your accountant. Shit really gets real. Those numbers mean something. Yeah. Those numbers are talking to you. Every number has a story. And that's something no business degree can teach you. Only having a real business and having a skin in the game can teach you. Yeah. Well, you mentioned like when you were um, in the restaurant, like someone, the expectations were probably different because you mentioned like your love of regional foods, regional cuisine. But like, I, I know you mentioned that um, like someone uh, just requested like just the staple, like uh, tikka masala or like uh, a pish, That happened a lot. Yes. So how did you, did you feel like you had to, was that challenging to like, um, go from the expectations and shift to giving them food that they hadn't experienced or that they didn't expect? So some people were open to getting educated. Yeah. So I would say something like, for example, there was a German guy who said that. And I was like, look, we don't have that. But because this is what the restaurant's concept is, this is what I kind of had this explanation. I was like, however, if you like kind of creamy lamb dishes, this is kosher mangsho is one of the closest oh, yeah. ones you can have. And I can tell you it's much better than tikka masala he's like okay you know what i'll give it a try i was like you know give it a try if you don't like it it's on me and he gave it a try and he ordered the second bowl nice so that was a positive one but there have been people who were like this is what i want and i was like i don't have it and they were like fine i don't want to eat it and i was like okay sure did your did your um mom try it did she come to your restaurant yes she did she came for both my launch parties and she actually helped me train the chefs wow and what was her what did she think yeah you know, she's a very Indian mom. She'll never mm. say the words, I'm proud of you. Oh, yeah. So I remember clearly she said, uh, when we were going for the launch of my second restaurant and there was going to be, again, a lot, a lot of press and press launch. And she'd been for the first one. And she was like, in the car, she told me, you know, I really hope people don't ask me how proud I am of you. This is really exhausts me to answer this question. <laughs> like, what kind of a question is that? Yeah. So I was like, okay, mom. That's not, I mean, that's that's all right, right? You gotta, yeah, I yeah, guess you got to deal with that. All right, so then, so all right, so new show. Um, how's that? How's that been going? So the re you're focusing on like more regional cuisines. You said like regional areas and stuff. No, this was about this is about uh alcohol. So it's uh it's an alcohol made by oh the this indigenous oh tribal. indigenous booze right. That's what we were talking about. Indigenous yeah. Booze. How did you how did you decide to do that? Like, what was the mindset? So, uh, I can't give you too much because yeah. that's giving away the show a little okay. bit. But I'll, uh, so it when I was growing up in Calcutta. Yeah. Uh, 
you hear it a lot everywhere bang you know bangla this kind of local alcohol that was available which was only meant for poor people or mm. like alcoholics on the street and was kind of an abusive word and i was like okay you know you just hear about it yeah. then uh when i was uh this is then like low, long like th- that was when i was like say, very young and cut to 3 years back i came across an article about mawa that same alcohol mm. in the new york times i was like wow new york times talking about mawa yeah then last year maybe like a year and a half back i was moderating a panel for the un united nations yeah. food system summit Nice. And one of the big things and I'm part of something called the Chef Summit which is part of the UN which is uh how can chefs make uh, you know you know make some agendas about improving our SDG mm. improving our life towards attaining the SDG goals and you know we come up with different things every year and um one of the big things that came out of that was promoting indigenous people indigenous produce and uh, women yeah and kind of brought it all together and i was like right i've got to do something with it and it was an idea with me for a while growing and then i started writing the show but 6 7 like before i started shooting india bites wow the idea was there uh so it's been like 7 months i've been working on it for like the idea came, comes the new put it down on paper yeah. i've been putting it down now i've been pitching extensively to a lot of networks in america and the nice. uk and production companies and Yeah. Fingers are crossed. Yeah. No, I'm uh, I'm excited for that. I mean, I always like what you do. You I think it really um interesting like very fresh voice and very and not stereotypical. Like I think if anything um you know breaking the stereotypes. Uh and I think that's really interesting and I uh you know really appreciated talking with you and thanks for coming on. Um Absolutely. Thank you so much <laughs> for having me. It felt like uh, I should have got a glass of wine actually. Yeah. It felt like a really nice chat. Yeah, it was nice and was it was it casual slash formal enough for your um for your taste? It was it was just right. It was it was a, it was a conversation which is what I love. All right. Well, thank you again. I appreciate it. Brilliant. Thank you so much. And yeah, good luck with the show. I I I'm loving what you're doing by the way as well. Oh, thank I've you. been listening to the episode and you know, you're a great interviewer. Oh, so that thank means you. a lot. Thank, thank you so much. From one from one yeah. interviewer to another, right? <laughs> yeah. And hopefully I'll catch up with you when I'm in New York, which I should be soon. Yes, let me know. Let's ha- let's go out uh to find some cool restaurants and have lots of interesting We will food. do that. Very non-stereotypical. I love Greenwich. Yeah. We can go there. Okay. Yeah. Perfect.